Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 421. My biggest one, I guess, would be to, you know, Bobby uses the line a lot, is be authentic, be you, uh, be original. Um, you know, I, I came up with a few independent restaurants throughout my career that, you know, they just wanted to do what everyone else was doing, and I was kind of forced along that path for a little bit. But um, once you have the freedom to chase what you want to do and be who you want to be, um, I that's that's the true path to success for me is just uh, thinking outside the box, not doing what everyone else is doing, and rethinking things and changing the game. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge. Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. 89% of guests research a restaurant online before dining out. Your website is your first impression. So answer me this question honestly. What does your website say about your restaurant? Also, websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that can help you drive revenue. Head over to getbento.com and see why thousands of restaurants trust Bento Box with their websites. And if you mention Restaurant Unstoppable, you can save up to $1,500 on initial setup. Get on it. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service to take care of your team. To help support Restaurant Unstoppable, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable so with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guests bobby marcotte and bobby bivid are you two feeling unstoppable today always uh, <laughs> always brother yes with the help of bobby b's dad marcotte and bivid crossed paths a few years back at the time marcotte found himself at the helm of the highly successful tuckaway tavern serving as executive chef while bivid was in Chicago consulting on restaurant design. About a year and a half ago, they decided to join forces and began collaborating on a new vision that would change the game. That vision has become Hop and Grind located in Durham, New Hampshire. So obviously we're just scraping the surface. I can't wait to dive in deeper to who you guys are and kind of like how this all came together. But let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you guys got? I don't know. We have, we have so <laughs> many mantras. Uh, I would... <laughs> Uh, you know, one thing we talk about a lot in here, we preach is the idea of embracing the past and chasing the future, mm. you know, paying respect, acknowledging the past, uh, from a cuisine standpoint, from a design standpoint and so on. But at the same time, sort of challenging everything, uh, challenging the future with cooking techniques, with uh, fit out with design and so on. So anyways, there you go. Embrace the past, chase the future. You want to add anything to that? Yeah, my, um, my biggest one, I guess, would be to, you know, Bobby uses the line a lot, is be authentic, be you, uh, be original. Um, you know, I, I came up with a few independent restaurants throughout my career that, you know, they just wanted to do what everyone else was doing. And I was kind of forced along that path for a little bit. But um, once you have the freedom to chase what you want to do and be who you want to be, um, I that's, that's the true path to success for me is just... Uh, 
thinking outside the box, not doing what everyone else is doing and rethinking things and changing the game. Awesome. I love this idea of changing the game. And we already kind of talked about it earlier while we were uh, getting set up that the idea of uh, just being original and people are going to come across sometime, some anywhere and just be like, Hey, like, I don't like what you're doing or this is not right. Like your the reviews, but who cares? Like do you, and you can't make everybody happy. So focus on those people. That's, you a, do resonate that's a perfect with. line right there because I actually read a Yelp review the other day <laughs> that was, um, they're trying way too hard for the vibe, which you know, at first I was a little offended, but you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, "Wow, that's really a compliment." If they Dude. think we're trying that hard, <laughs> yeah. because we're we're literally just being who we are and being authentic. So it goes back to exactly yeah. what I just said. I mean, yeah. haters are going to hate, and uh, if anybody criticizes you for trying too hard, yeah, and that's uh, what I was thinking. I was like, "Is there such thing as trying too hard?" That's kind of where I, my oh, mind man. went with that. Awesome. So I'm kind of happy. And thank you for uh, to Ryan S or whoever it was. Right. Cool. Well, that's a good great way to get this thing started. So I'm curious. Um, um, let's be, I mean, you guys, was it like four years ago, like three years ago, you guys first crossed paths or about a year and was it the year uh, and a half when you guys, four years ago. Four yeah. Years ago? Yeah. So I kind of want to like start chronologically, but first I kind of want to find out your, your each individual background. So who wants to go first, Bobby B or Bobby M? I'll take it. Yeah. All right. right. So Bobby Bybid, uh, where did, uh, I always usually, usually ask like, how did you get started? When did you know this was going to be your career? So start there. Wow. Uh, I knew. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, I think falling in love with the industry, falling in love with the creation element of it uh, probably was about nine years ago when I first made the switch from marketing and advertising world into food service, which is honestly by chance. Um, I was in the marketing and ad world for about 15 years, uh, agency life, agency world, a lot of consumer strategic uh, focused campaigns, you know, a, a big, you know, fortune 100, fortune 500 company would come to our agency with a new product, albeit a new soda, a new gum, a new condom. I don't know what kind of show this is, but um, so and we would <laughs> and we would have to sort of write a strategy for it. You know, how do we how do we uh, launch this product? How do we how do we intersect with the consumer market? And <clears throat> pardon me. And so that was the first fifteen years of my life. Honestly, sort of got tired of drinking everyone's Kool Aid, so to speak, yep. and wanted to um, just be more part of authentic creation, genuine creation. And and uh, moved to Chicago and and through uh, through family connection through my wife, uh, ended up landing in the food service industry and in the uh, sort of design build consulting end of it and honestly fell in love with it fell in love fell in love with the micro element of the industry the idea of micro impressions the idea of you know sort of everything mattering and um just the design and creation element of it it was uh, it was really wonderful um in terms of sort of the this aha moment i guess when you know i knew that this is what i wanted to do was I think kind of in all of the above, you know, if I think about it, just like the universe, all of the above, everything's sort of happening and coming together at once. The idea of feeling feeling really good about a competency, I think, in something, feeling good about that from a design aspect and um, an operational and workflow aspect in the industry and restaurants, feeling good about that. Um, and then uh, honestly, meeting my business partner, who I think that I think that, you know, it's interesting that if, if you think about what we're doing, you think about taking the risk. Something I was think, thinking about quite a bit yesterday is it's a big risk, right? I mean, you're starting your own business. You're starting a restaurant, which it's like 50% of restaurants you know, fail or something. Yeah. So whatever the statistics are. But I think when you have 
the team that we have. I think when I have when we have a business partner, business partners like I have, there is I have I have no no concern about the risk. You know, I just have so much confidence um, in uh, in my team and in, in what we're doing and the concept that we're doing. So, so when you were doing the the, the design work, the marketing work, was there a lo- like a lack of like just like desire or were, were you just kind of going through the motions like were you missing something at that point did you re, did you recognize that there was something kind of not there i did i mean i think it was just a world of status quo you yeah. know just a world of conventionalism a world of of like you know what what crappy gum can we create and just yeah. push on consumers and i don't know it just just lost the authenticity so, for me what was it about the hospitality industry about the re- the, the the restaurant industry that really drew you to it specifically um I, you kind of you didn't list a few things about just uh um you went for you said quite a few things, but like if you could just hone into like one specific thing that really drew you to it, what was it? Can I hone into two things? Two things, please. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, so two things. It's funny because I was just thinking about this the other day too. So there's two things that that really inspire me the other day. I mean, obviously, you know, our families and all the things that we do it for. I think that's kind of like the constant. But but from an actual execution standpoint or a day-to-day standpoint, I mean, the two things that that I gravitate to that I'm inspired by every day. Um, number one, it's the idea of like creating something from scratch. I mean, this could be a recipe. It could be, it could be a restaurant. It could be, uh, the fit out the, the design. I mean, we're literally creating something from nothing. And that is, uh, that is so empowering, you know, whether it's something small in your day that you're creating something, whether it's, whether it's like, whether it's smiling, you know, whether you're interacting with someone and you're smiling at them and then you get a smile back and you just kind of created that little micro moment mm-hmm. for something like you're creating a, a little sense of joy, like a moment of joy in them to creating like an entire restaurant. I mean, the idea of sort of being able to the, having the power in life to create something is amazing. Yeah. You know, that's number one. Number two is the idea of like, you know, we you know, we go into every lunch service, we go into any dinner service. I, I kind of liken it to like going into battle with your, with your, with your band of brothers and sisters, you know, as, as we start a service, as we start a dinner service and every, everyone is functioning, everyone has a role, but it's this gestalt moment where we're not defined by the, by the sum of, our, we're defined by the sum of our parts and not by the individual parts where we're essentially going into battle together. Everyone's playing a role in sort of collectively creating this amazing, Hopefully, amazing experience for people. Amazing experience and have all of these different micro elements. Um, and there's such a beauty to to that. There's a beauty to that not being the mundane. There's a beauty to that not being sort of the same thing every day, the same thing every moment. We are ramping up to something amazing, and we're sort of going into that into that battle together. It's yeah. I don't, it's like an amazing feeling. That's awesome, man. Uh, just listening to you talk, it, it, like. So many like little things were going through my mind, and one thing you know, just that the cool thing about this industry is, no matter what your background is, there's so much you need to be good at uh, to really stand out, and that that eye for design, that eye for just like the the branding, and, and like what do like the like I think you call it the micro impressions, like every little thing you do is brand imaging, and it says something about you, and you can go crazy in the restaurant industry with really delivering little messages. Uh, and, and if that's your jam, if that's what you love to do, like what an incredible vertical, what, a, what an incredible uh, strength to have because you can really add a ton of value in this, in this industry doing that um, is one thing. And just, yeah, like you can, you can write your story, you can create your destiny. And that's the other kind of thing that I was thinking, like there's 
so much freedom to, I mean, you're really not limited in what you can do with the creativity in the restaurant industry, which is just so powerful. Um, so up to this point, let's kind of shift, unless you want to reflect on what I just said. I, I, I would just make one key point. I mean, it's funny, you know, being the guy that's ha- not from the restaurant industry, you know, yeah. being a guy that was from the marketing and AdWord for a long time, you know, I, I, I had a very strong sense of awareness of that when, when we got into this together. Um, the idea of just being fortunate yep. and uh, appreciating the fact that I came from a background where there was a lot of interfacing with um, with uh, different brands and understanding that a brand is a story. Understand to your point, you know, uh, every day we try to st- tell the story of our brand, and that's kind of where we start every day. Um, and just the uh, just being fortunate to come from that world where I understand the marketing end of, end of it, understand the ad world, and then from the design aspect. I mean, not being from the restaurant world, but at the same time, just being really fortunate to have that sort of comprehensive skill set on that end so, yeah and uh, um, one quote that's been coming up a lot on the show too is uh, don't become a man of success but become a man of value and if you're a man of value uh, and you have a certain s- strength or a certain asset you bring to the table like you can open up doors and for you that uh, you know you, you got to cross paths with Bobby M over here who we're going to hear about from in just a couple seconds Uh, and together I mean you might not have all that restaurant experience all those restaurant skills but you bring something special to the table something that maybe Bobby you're, you're lacking in the front of house design maybe I don't know are you or are you? I'm definitely not a designer by any means, <laughs> but uh, I was fortunate to have a, a good say with Bobby here. Yeah. We, we collaborated on a ton of the aspects in, in the front of the house as well. So I think we both had a very similar vision to what we wanted it to look like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he did all the micro, those micro level managements. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I had some broad ideas that mm-hmm. we, we were able to hone in on together. So uh, definitely a good duo in the front of the house. Yeah, so let's dive into where did it all start for you, Bobby M. I started living and breathing this industry the day I stepped foot in my stepdad's kitchen. So uh, he was a uh, Navy chef uh, for many, many years, uh, got out of the Navy and just kind of bounced around inside restaurants throughout his entire working career. Um, Shorthanded on dishwashers one Friday night. I was 13, and he said, you want to come in and make some money? And I was, I said, absolutely. And from that day forward, I lived and breathed restaurants. Um, Loved it, loved the energy, loved the people, loved the environment, and I just knew it's what I wanted to do from the day I stepped foot in the kitchen. What was it? Get specific. Is there a moment or a a specific memory where you're just like, this is it? I just loved the the energy inside the kitchen, the hustle, the bustle, uh, you know, everyone moving and flowing and, you know, um, I loved the rugged rugged, uh, personalities inside the kitchen, (laughs) the raw personality. I mean, I just... I loved being in that atmosphere. I just knew it was me. So at what point would you say you started living intentionally to set yourself up for opportunity and success? I literally would say the day I stepped foot. I mean, I started, uh, you know, that first week I got my hands on dishes. And uh, the second week I started watching the guy above me, which was salads and prep. And, you know, anytime I was caught up on dishes, I was watching that guy above me. And I've just always been watching the guy the next step above me my entire career. So um, just chasing, chasing that next level from Mm -hmm. the from first day. So you're 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 real, you both relatively younger dudes. We're not like we're still in the probably the earlier Thank half you. of yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess what I'm saying is how much time elapsed from when we first broke in to you're probably what fourteen fifteen when you first got into it. So I was thirteen, yeah, when I started dishing. Um, like I was saying, I started watching that salad guy. That you know my second weekend and sure enough he he was a no call no show a month later yeah. and uh, you know that's you know, all the kitchens work. I, uh, I got called right <laughs> yeah. up and. You know, from there I chased fry, and from there I chased saute. It was like you know, just constantly wanting to do that next step. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, from there, I you know started at 13, and I was uh, sous chef by the time I was uh, 18. So, awesome. Yeah. And um, how old are you now? I'm 35. Okay, so we're looking at, you know, like, what, uh, 22, 22 years? years yeah. yeah. It's 22 years. Um, I guess, how long has the Tuckaway been open now? Like five or eight years? Uh, we're heading into our sixth year. Sixth year. Yep. So what sets you up for the opportunity to get into the Tuckaway? Uh, that's a funny story. So... Um, yeah, 17, uh, my daughter was born two weeks out of high school. So I knew I had to lock in on a, uh, you know, a stable position and, uh, found this little hole in the wall in Hampstead, New Hampshire, and kind of just got my roots, roots in there. And, uh, you know, just started, started my real career growth there, I would say. I mean, I stepped in as sous chef and worked my way to kitchen manager by the time I was 21. I was GMing the place by the time I was 25. So, um, you know, a few years, and that was one of those environments where they just wanted to do what everyone else was doing. And I was kind of just, you know, I love the stability of, you know, a constant paycheck for my family. And, you know, I was just doing what the owners wanted me to do for mm-hmm. several years there. And, uh, you know, when the Tuckaway was actually born, it was a different business. Um, and I just loved the building. I loved what they were trying to do. And I actually, I went over there and applied. It was, it was I think it was the Yankee, uh, Yankee market, um, when they first opened. And I just wanted to get my foot in the door just because I loved the concept. I loved the building. I loved the newness of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was just looking for some part-time work in addition to my other spot. And uh, it's funny. They didn't want to hire me for $12 an hour, you know, just to help them out. <laughs> and uh, a year and a half later, they went bankrupt. They went out of business. And, you know, I felt it was a, I was in a good position with my family. And it was, a, it was a good time for me to maybe make a move for something that I could actually create. And, uh I heard that the building was up for auction and that they had some buyers. So, so at this point, it's still the Yankee market, and they went bankrupt? So they went out of it, yeah. They, so this they, is before the six years ago? Correct. Okay. So gotcha. as the day I heard it was bought and uh, that they were looking, I went and got my resume in, and uh, I was their first interview. I was their only interview, and they gave me the job and let me run with it. I was the restaurant guy, and it was two, uh, two uh, commercial real estate developers. Um, and one, you know, yeah, so... Okay. They uh, they let me come in and let me spit all my ideas and we ran with it. Awesome. And I haven't forgotten about you, Bobby M, because I feel like we didn't give you uh, we we didn't really dive into like uh, setting up like um, how you built your resume and how you created uh, basically how you became somebody people wanted to be be a partner with. Um, so we left off at you. You definitely fell in love with the industry, but how did you start creating opportunities in your life? How did you start living intentionally to go seek out this industry that you love so much? Wow. I mean, <laughs> I think I think by being aware, mm-hmm. I think by keeping my eyes open, my my arms open, my mind open to seeing, you know, being very aware of life and and, you know, kind of always wanting to push myself. You know, I mean, uh, uh, from a from a sort of quantifiable standpoint, I guess, is to 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 pick up where, where Bobby left off. So uh, I had met uh, Bobby and, and Paul over at the Tuckaway um, what three two to two years in I think to Tuckaway two to three years in uh, just by chance honestly my dad had moved to the town that the Tuckaway is Raymond New Hampshire the town where Tuckaway is and and happened to mention to the to the gentleman oh you should you should talk to my son he he designed and built restaurants in Chicago and so uh, one thing kind of led to another I helped those guys out over there with a lot of equipment specifications and consulting on um, some of the workflows and processes and things of that nature and 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 we kind of hit it off and and honestly I I guess my answer is just. I think in business and I think in life, you kind of have to follow your heart and follow your gut. You know, everyone asks us 
from a hopping grind standpoint, you know, what, what brought you to Durham? And honestly, it's as much as it's great that it's a university town, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. I think sometimes you got to go with your gut. And when we walked into the space, it was that gut reaction that, um, you know, this is, this is flagship for us. And I had the same, you know, the same as I go through the milestones of my life and I think about it, I had those same, same reactions where, you know, uh, meeting, meeting Bobby and, and, um, you know, having a desire to be back home where I grew up versus Chicago, which is arguably one of the most amazing cities in the world, uh, leaving there, coming back home. It's just kind of those gut reactions and following your heart and following your gut and those milestones. So I'm curious, um, when you kind of found this love for the industry, did you, did you break in, uh, just working in the industry, how did you transition from being uh, like an employee t- of somebody to having to being a part of a consulting firm where you're, where you're actually your own consultant? Where, did you work for somebody or were you under yourself? So both, both. Okay. Yeah. So I worked for agencies. I started my own uh, kind of couple small agencies that I brought along with me. I mean, honestly, it's just I think it's in my in my blood and my DNA it's from from a, like an entrepreneurial standpoint to always want to you know have the autonomy to be able to develop and create um, what I see a vision for. And I think from a design build standpoint, doing that for you know, seven or eight years, I got to a certain plateau, I guess, so to speak, where I had designed something for everyone else. I had worked with these absolutely amazing chefs. I had worked with these amazing operators and I felt like it was time that um, I wanted to take, you know, my life experience and put it into, you know, my own thing, so to speak. Yeah. So you did 15 years of the marketing and branding. Mm -hmm. Um, At that time, were you working with restaurants or were you just more like like retail, like branded shell, like. mostly like products and consumer okay. products and so on. Yeah. So when you first decided to get out of just the, the branding, uh, and for like the, the, the products, did you go work for another consultancy and like learn under, cause the restaurant industry is a very unique beast. Yeah. Uh, there's like, if you're consulting on systems and processes, it must be hard to kind of step in without that experience behind you. So how did you get that experience to really be good at what you were doing? So the moment that I decided I was changing careers and I was changing careers, honestly, I'll tell you a funny story. So I actually missed the birth of my first of our firstborn oh, son, bummer. Jack. <laughs> I was at the Texas Motor Speedway doing a uh, program for Gander Mountain Sports at the uh, at the NASCAR race. And my wife was 30 days from her due date. And it was the last trip I was going to take before not leaving Chicago. Oh. And of course, Jack uh, comes 30 days early Ambitious. and I'm standing in the, in the infield of <laughs> Texas Motor Speedway and I get a picture with his face on mm. it this just happened, you know, it's just, it was unbelievable. So I think that was, that was a big moment for me that I needed to make a change in, um, in my life and in our lives. Um, in terms of when I made the switch, I mean, I, I am somebody that completely, I don't know if it's a Sagittarius thing or what, but I, <laughs> I completely immerse myself for better or for worse, you know, and uh, for me, for victories and for, and for uh, you know, making mistakes, I absolutely jump in with both feet in everything that I do. And when I made the transition to food service, I went to every equipment manufacturer, I went to every restaurant, I talked to every chef, I was back in the kitchen, I was uh, with my, my brother-in-law, Nick Giacco out of Chicago, who's the most amazing restaurant designer on the planet. Um, it, uh, it learned from him. He was my mentor. He took me under his wing. Uh, honestly, just immersive, immersive, immersive. Those that first six months to a year, I would say. So you mentioned something that's huge in this industry. First, well, you know, just jump in. And Mario Andretti has this quote that uh, if you have control, you're not going fast enough. And I probably throw yeah. that out there way too yeah. much, but I love it. Uh, but that's where that that area where we're just like up against it and like have no fucking clue what's going yeah. on. Yeah. That's where we're well, you're forced to learn, and yeah. you're and it's only scary for a little bit, and then you know how to do it. And but you're if you stay against that firewall all the time, you're constantly lear- learning yeah. new things. Uh, the other huge part that I want to dive a little bit deeper into is the whole idea of the mentor. 
um, did, did somebody say you'll get a mentor? Like, was that like intentional? Did, it, did they, did he see something in you? Like, how did you attract onto yourself this mentor? It, it, it's honestly, it's, it's funny. It's, it's back to that awareness thing. It's back to that stopping for a moment. I, I remember, I remember getting married and I got this, uh, this gentleman, a friend of mine named Brett. He said, I, I have one piece of advice for you when you get married. He said, you have to take a moment during your wedding and just stop for a minute, sit back and watch everything and look at everything and take in everything that's happening. Because if you don't, um, he's like, you're going to miss it. It's going to go by really quickly. And I was like, wow, I feel like that I could apply that same advice to every, to every aspect of life. You know, so to me, it's always about, and I don't even know how to really quantify that as much as it's just become ingrained in me now. It's just to always be aware, always to be open, always to be watching, always to be looking at everything and always to be planning, I guess, for, you know, for lack of a better term as to, you know, what's our next move, you know, and, and, um, constantly assessing, constantly analyzing. And so, I mean, I think it's just ingrained in me right now to be aware mm. you know um yeah interesting yeah. um man it's it, when you're when you got two people going at once you want to like make sure that like we're staying chronological and uh so we got up to the point with bobby b uh, sorry um bobby m barbie marcotte um where you had the opportunity of the the tavern was opening and you put your resume in um this place is awesome uh i don't always get to eat in frequent these restaurants that I interview because I do interviews with all over the world over the phone and stuff. Um, the culture, the energy this place has is great. And I actually, I'm, I'm not too ashamed to admit that I, I Uber on the side some, from time to time to afford these things, uh, to get a little extra cash. And I had the, the pleasure of, of, uh, Ubering one of your managers to work. And, uh, I was like, where are we going? And he's like, Oh, we're going to the Tuckaway. I was like, no shit. Uh, uh, I was like, tell me, I didn't say anything about the podcast. I was like, tell me how you like working there. Uh, in, when you can get somebody who just lights up when they talk about going to work from their, from their house to the, to the Uber, like it's the best place ever. Oh, the management's awesome. And I, I forget his name. He, he wears Nate. his high. Yeah. Nate, Nate. He wears his hair. Hi. Um, Nate had nothing but amazing things to say. And to me, that's a testament that when you go into like an Uber and the guy asks you how you like your job and like not one negative thing is said, like that's the, that's the sign that something's right. That, that's the sign that there's a recipe here of success. Um, so what is that recipe? What do you think it is about the culture that you've created over the Tuckaway? And um, you were there from day one. Like, did, did you have an impact on that? Like, how do they, how do, they do that? Yeah, I'd like to think I had an impact on that. Me and Paul, the owner, you know, one of the owners over there, we were the hands-on guys from day one. And, uh, you know, Paul is an older guy, and he is one of the most, if not the most, entrepreneurial spirited, you know, guys I've ever met. Um, he's aggressive. He's he's he wants to. He doesn't want to. Our big thing when we opened that we told all the staff was we're not just opening a joint, and that was his biggest thing. He wanted to open the best joint, and that's what that's what drew me to him and uh, drew us to each other. And you know, we wanted to create something truly special. Um, we geared it. You know, we we made it about the about the crew, about the people that worked for us, and you know, we wanted them to be successful uh, along with us. It wasn't just about you know me getting success or Paul getting success. It was about Tuckaway as a group becoming successful and becoming something truly special. And I think uh, I think that started at the top and worked its way down to everybody. They all knew that we we cared about not just the business but about them and. Uh, in turn, that makes them care about the business. How do you show them you care? Because um, it's one thing to say, like, oh, like, we're new, like, and we're going to make this all about you, and we want you to be successful, but how do you actually live those words? What things do you do to actually show your people that it is about them and it, it is about their success? I think you show them by 
Bobby's point is jumping in with both feet and just mm. being in in the thick of it with the, with them every single day and you know not be not not shying away from any challenge you know living up to that challenge every day I mean you talk about you talk about going top speed I mean Tuckaway was was an explosion um, you know we we ran out of food our first weekend wow. you know when we opened we had to shut down this and is a place regroup. yeah six years later like the only times I've driven by just because I was like we're gonna be like an hour and a half two hour away like yeah. I was like you guys are <laughs> always like floored like stacked uh and that's a good problem to have absolutely um so can you get specific is there anything that um you guys you know they need i don't know like how do you track that how do you know how do you make sure you're delivering on your promise to make it about them like i, I think it's so important to spend some time here because like to, to do that to pull that off is can't be easy you know, I try to make I, I try to make those personal connections with each and every mm-hmm. one of them. Um, you know, at this point, we're up to like 130 employees over there, so it, it becomes harder as you grow, and you can only hope that you know you pass those qualities down to management, and they they continue to express those onto the staff um, when you do start to grow exponentially. But you know, I think it's just um, being there and and showing them that you're 100 percent in it with them and. Um, just showing through through action that that you are there, you, you guys are, we're all in it together. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that you mentioned it quickly. Um, you know, passing it down to management, and I think that is the key part right there is really like recreating yourself and other, re- recreating your drive, recreating your values, uh, what you want to create, and recreating that in others so they can. And then in return, pass it down to the, you know, the managers pass it down to like the line staff and you got to really believe it. You got to live it. Um, And I guess nobody else will live it as more than you live it. So if you want people to live it to the fullest potential, you got to be out there. You got to be the loudest cheerleader. You got to be the one doing the things. Lead by example. Yeah. You know, show them that, show them that you mean it. And uh, Bobby B, were you thinking anything as we were were going? Uh, (laughs) I sure was. (laughs) You want to chime in at all? Yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I'd like to comment about your about the Uber story. I mean, I think that like you're touching on the key to everything, right? I feel like you are. Yeah, you were engaged, right? So on that drive, you're obviously very genuine. You're passionate about what you're doing, and you were engaged. And we're sitting here talking about an Uber an Uber <laughs> drive that you're referencing, and was part of the link to you ultimately yeah. being here today. And I think that's the key to everything. You know, sometimes I have a hard time sort of articulating how I feel about this stuff, but I mean, that's a great anecdote right there. You were engaged. We're talking about it here, and it was that link to you ultimately sitting here and we're having a discussion about it. And I think that's the key to everything, key to everything, man. I mean, um, you know, and, and the idea of just being genuine, you know, I love that you, you know, were yourself and, 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 you know, that's something that just to touch on what you guys were just speaking about. I mean, I mean, as when we hired at Hop and Grind, we kind of took the approach that, um, you know, we're probably going to get a lot of intelligent people through the door. We're going to get a lot of good looking resumes through the door. We're going to get a lot of good experience through the door, uh, so on and so forth. Right. We're going to I feel like we're going to get that, especially since this specific location we're in Durham. We're at the University of New Hampshire. We've had so many amazing students walk through the door looking for front of house positions. and They're all intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great. But we hired honestly for one criteria and one criteria only because I feel like, look, if you're smart, if you're intelligent, we can, we can, you can learn the menu. We can teach you how to use a POS system. You know, we can, we can show you if you don't already know how to sweep a floor, you know, <laughs> wipe down a table. I mean, right? Like, we can, like, these things can be taught, you know? But we hired for the intangibles. We hired for the things that you could not teach. You know, we hired for, at, the, at a very macro level, do you care? Do you care about life? Do you care about yourself? And are you a genuine person? Mm. You know, and we asked a few questions in the interview process that led right back to that. And we were able to sort of gauge 
that individual by their responses to that question, then we 100% hired on that. I have a question in the speed round that we'll get to that asks what questions you ask on your during the interviews. Right. We'll tap into that. So put that one in your back pocket because we're going to come back to it. We'll see. Well, we'll see how maybe maybe we uh, open up a little bit more. Maybe I, I, I win you over. We'll see what happens. Um, so, okay, let's cut, start to transition towards... Um, it's really hard not to like dive deeper into like how you created what you created over at Tuckaway. Maybe for another day, if you guys are down. But I want to make this about your partnership here and how you guys work together and how you guys cre- like started with the vision and actually bu- built out this beautiful space. So let's bring it to where you guys cross paths and how this partnership came together. And I think there might be a lot of value there. So um, who wants to go first? I guess. You're good too, Bobby. Bobby M. All right. I mean, I mean, I think the first time we crossed paths is Tuckaway Tavern was looking for a good smoker. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> How do we smoke some great, some great ribs and bacon and brisket and all kinds of stuff? And so, quantifiably, that was that was the first time I think I went in there uh, from a, from a business standpoint. But um, you know, we um, the the crossing of paths I think is really is just really based off of desire it's based off of wanting to wanting i mean i mean bobby and i I will say let me say it this way bobby and i synced up with a with a shared desire to to change whatever game we were going to play whether it was individually or together collaboratively i mean we just i mean i mean we from the first moment just started sharing text sharing phone calls emails um, I even back in the day, I think we were still faxing. I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> but uh, but we were just that that dialogue cr- happened instantly. I guess the dialogue happened instantly, and the dialogue, the common thread to that dialogue is like, I, let's, we're going to take over the world together. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, honestly, I mean that's what it felt like. I mean, talking about feeling unstoppable. Yeah. I mean, the dialogue from the very beginning was like like we, like we feel unstoppable, and, and, <laughs> and you know, and so that so it was just very natural, and and it was back and forth. It was like you know, Bobby saying to me, Chef. Saying, to me you know i i've got this idea for this recipe or i've got an idea for a burger i've got this idea for this process and it's me saying back you know like i know how we can cook these you know and i know this you know there's a you know there's a there's a way that we you know this interesting technology out there that that's really authentic and it's uh, towards the product but it's really it's it's really um you know you know it's future you know futuristic it's a bad word but it's really progressive you know and and so i mean i don't know so that's my you know our dialogue was really genuine and it was really sort of felt unstoppable right from the beginning and then you know from there it was just it was just building you know so it just started story, yeah it did know? start as that ba- that business transaction where you needed consultation on the, the right smoker to use yes and then you guys you know tackled the, the the business issue and then through that relationship there was just that natural jive that like we work well yeah. together and you stayed in touch um when did the first words get spoken that we should partner together do you remember that moment when did that come up we got, we got uh, I'm not sure Bobby if it's M the exact the moment, now. but I, I, I recall vividly. Um, so I've been going out to Chicago for NRA for three, four years now, and Bobby and his business partner out there would kind of show me the ropes and show me around the city, which was honestly, it's. I looked forward to it every year. I, I look forward to it this year, but it's probably unrealistic. Um, but no, it was just like the best. So uh, we decided one year that we were going to go and tour every burger joint 
out there and and see who's doing what out there and what the best burger is you know mm. what i mean uh Oshival, you uh, everyone knows it you know they've won best burger in the world and whatnot so we kind of started there and then worked our way around the city at this point did you guys say to each other we're going to open our own burger joint or was it just for like it was kind of throughout this day of okay. eating burgers okay. and and we're just <laughs> walking down day. the streets of chicago downtown <laughs> and literally um i don't know who's who said it first but we just kind of started spitting ideas for a burger restaurant and what that would look like and um i think we just started immediately feeding off of each other's energy and actually nate was there with us on that trip and he started having some input i was actually out there too this past year or two years ago was it yeah three was that three years oh it must have been at least it's probably two two years ago ago. actually was not there never mind sorry keep going So, yeah, we were just walking down the street on our way from one burger stop to the next burger stop. And, uh, you know, we just started spitting ideas. And from there, it just kind of became reality. You know, I got back from Chicago and approached Paul from Tuckaway and kind of told him what we were thinking. And he loved it. And um, it just kind of kind of turned. So is Paul part of the partnership here as well? He is. Yes. Okay. so what's what's that 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 dynamic look like? The partnership? He uh, you know, he has a lot of. He's kind of letting us do our thing, mm-hmm. and he he want, he wanted to be a part of it, yep. and he's a huge supporter of it, and um, yeah, he he's so there's some value here. I think we need to go and pull some more nuggets out of because the the value of showing up uh, as just taking a job, you know, six years ago, um, and busting your ass and really delivering value, serving your employees, serving the owner, um, treat it like you own it. And one day you will. It's kind of what, where I'm getting at. That's a great point. And honestly, I've been mistaken as owner of Tuckaway for several <laughs> yeah. years because I I treat everything as though it's mine. I call it my restaurant. I, you know, if you're throwing out one of my forks, it's my fork that you're throwing in the tray. Mm-hmm. You have to treat it like mm-hmm. it's your own because that's the only way, you know it's the only way you'll garner that same respect from yep. your staff is yep. that if you treat everything like it's your own and you treat everything like it's part of that customer's experience, then they'll start having that same respect yeah. for everything that's involved. And one thing I've learned from interviewing people like yourselves is that successful people in this world, in this industry specifically, their number one, their the number one thing they can do is recruit people, uh, recruit passionate, skilled people. And when they find that person that has what it takes, they will do whatever it takes to keep that person on their team to, to create more opportunities for other people. And it's just the ripple effect right Absolutely. now. Someday, maybe six years from now, you might have one of your guys that are here working saying, I have this idea, Bobby. And now that you're a millionaire with the, uh, hopping, you know, hopping, uh, grind, like maybe you can invest in my vision. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what, you know, treat it like you own it. You will own it someday. And don't forget, that it's your time it's your job to then continue to pay it forward said and that's kind of the mantra i've had you know throughout my entire career honestly i treat every you know i'm I'm aware of that everything has a cost and everything has you know its purpose inside the restaurant and you know once you can respect that i think owners respect that and it just it's a trickle down effect awesome so we keep on saying this uh, you guys wanted to change the game you wanted to to do something different to really like literally change the world we live in so um what was the plan to do that? How was how was Pop and Grind changing the game? What are you guys doing differently that that's that's going above and beyond what's standard? So again, I mean, this entire idea was born through um, you know my being at Tuckaway and being involved in the butchering process and being involved in you know every recipe from top to bottom, butcher shop to restaurant, and you know having the ability to be involved in that grinding process and seeing seeing the different. Um, 
you know, the levels of processing of meats. And so that's kind of where this kind of evolved. You know, every, every burger joint is pretty linear in the fact that they're grilling a patty and they're throwing a bunch of stuff on top. So where we felt we could change the game through our butchering process is by, you know, actually grinding some ingredients into our patties, making sure that the grind is correct on the meat, the grind is correct on all the ingredients, and starting with the patty and making making that patty itself really diverse and dynamic and then topping it. So now you're, Bobby's new phrase, and I love it, is from bun to bun. You know, we're incorporating that flavor. And uh, that's kind of the start of it. And, and from there, you know, everything we do, we try to, we try to make it, better than the best i yep. guess and bobby can speak really well to that yeah i mean i think it's it's you know one of the driving forces here is the idea that everything matters you know everything from you know to bobby's point the conceptualization of the of the menu items of let's of the burgers you know to um all the nuances inside the space i mean that's kind of the approach that we take to everything try to put thought into everything i mean you know when we were looking for phones to put at the order station. It's like we could just walk into, you know, Best Buy or jump on Amazon and grab a, just a conventional phone. But we went and got these old time, like rotary dial type phones that we answer the phones on. And, and, you know, it's, and it's great to see guests come in and they see the phone ring, they look down and they smile, you know, and it's like, it's like, that's what you want, you know, like they just, it just sort of acknowledges the whole concept. But, um, you know, it's just, we, you know, and we, another, another phrase, uh, we have a lot of, a lot of phrases, a lot of, uh, we uh, we like to use is we don't, we don't build restaurants restaurants we create food experiences you know um and so you know we we, as much as this is a restaurant we don't really look at it that way we look at it as an experience um and so uh yeah awesome um just had uh, Karen uh, Page and Andrew Dornenberg. You guys might be familiar, the, the authors of the Food Bible, and um, they recently just uh, published uh, Kitchen Creativity. And the interview that we had together, a lot of it was diving into the importance of doing something that's truly unique mm-hmm. and different, and mm-hmm. the power of creativity in the hospitality industry. Because you can go do another b- burger joint that is just another plain patty, uh, and you might throw some creative toppings on it. But what if you start with the you know with the actual patty? itself being uh, something that's truly like a, a unique blend right and really taking it to that next level and you can diversify yourself really uh, you know, get creative and diversify yourself and don't just be another joint but change the game take it up a level and that's what you guys did so just really wanted to point that out awesome stuff um, where do we start so that's what you wanted to do you're doing it now um, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about how you guys made it happen obviously having Paul in your corner uh, having you know the the uh, investors is huge getting that um, how was that uh, Bobby to get him um, to convince him that this was a good idea was did you just was because of what you did for him you just kind of trusted that you knew what you were doing or how do you guys sell yeah the- I would say there really wasn't much convincing to be honest yeah. um, he knew you know me and Paul have worked so closely together over the course of the years. And, you know, we instantly, just like me and Bobby, we, we instantly just had this connection and this trust in each other. And, uh, you know, he knew that it's always been my goal, my dream to open up my own spot. And I think when me myself and Bobby got talking and we dreamed up this idea and we brought it to him, I mean, it wasn't, there was no convincing necessary. He knew that, you know, 
he had confidence that we could pull it off. And uh, he, again, he's an entrepreneurial spirit mm-hmm. himself, so he loves the challenge. And he was he was just all for it. I mean, he, so, he was on board immediately. And that was about a year and a half ago when he said, "Let's do this." Right. Yep. Um, so, how did you guys find the space? Like, did you have the space already kind of planned out? Like, how did this all come together? No, we shopped around for quite a few months of just you know trying to find the right spot. And again, to Bobby's point earlier, is like when we walked through this. Uh, you know this 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 building was just four white walls, and as soon as I walked in, it was like this is it. You know, did you I mean? have an image in your mind of what the right spot was? Not necessarily just like the physicality of like the actual space, but like the demographic and like if this is the this is the concept we want to do. Where is it going to do best? Honestly. Uh, Perfectly honest with you, no. Um, you know, look at Raymond, New Hampshire, where Tuckaway was born. It's it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I think people will find you if you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so we didn't we didn't uh, pigeonhole ourselves by saying this is exactly what we want. I think we just kind of went with our guts and knew that you know, being in New Hampshire, we definitely wanted to be in New Hampshire to start because we do have such a broad following. Um, um, of fans and guests and stuff like that. So we wanted to create something new. I mean, people have been screaming at us to open something else. So I think we definitely wanted to keep it here in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, but didn't didn't say to ourselves, we want this demographic. We want this locate. You know, we didn't. We kind of just let our guts guide us. And right when we stepped in here, it was the first spot that we really felt it in our guts. And and uh, yeah, so so it came to be. Because from, from the outside looking in, to be completely honest, it, it looks like you guys were very strategic about okay, like we're going to a college town first. College towns are great locations for a restaurant, just for obvious reasons. People like to go out, have a good time, spend money. And the other point that you made earlier, the the talent that you have, access to people who are ambitious, smart, uh, you're gonna have you can really it's all about getting people on your team, right? So in a college town you can get a lot of great people on your team. That's true. Um and it seems like your your brand is really targeted towards like the the college student. Like so I mean, did that play into like let's do this, this has to be the spot, like because it just it's so aligned or were you just focused on doing you the entire time? We've been focused on hop and grind and what hop and grind is this entire time. Um we didn't again, same thing with uh pigeonholing ourselves to a location. We don't want to pigeonhole a demographic either. We wanna be we wanna to appeal to everybody, every generation, um, you know, to Bobby's motto, you know, chasing the past. Right, what is it? I'm sorry. How do I forget that? <laughs> I forgot, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I just came no, but we wanted to, you know, we want to appeal to everybody. We had our brand, we had our menu, we had everything we wanted to do, and it was just a matter of finding the right location. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, again, it's a great it, spot. Thank you. Um, so I'm curious, um, what would you call it? Craft casual, right? Mind if I interject real quick on that? Please. I just, uh, so I think, I think y- you, you can. It's 50-50, right? So, like, you can quantify everything. You can quantify your demographic, your traffic counts, and your radiuses, and you can look at, you know, uh, you know industry metrics and so on and so forth, and that's certainly one thing. But to Bobby's point, I think there's a whole other side of it. I think there's a whole other side of, A, just having that gut reaction that this is the right space. It's knowing and believing and being confident in your concept that people will come. I mean, to his point, look at Tuckaway Tavern in the middle of, of anywhere, and it's nowhere, and it's been, you know, lightning in a bottle over there, and that's because they were genuine. That's because they built what mm-hmm. they wanted to be. That's because everything mattered to them, and I think I think that's a huge side of it. So I think it's I think it's fifty fifty, but I think it's the idea of a brand is a story, 
and you have to figure out what your story is. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you don't know what your story is, then I then I think you're going to have an issue. Mm. I think you need to know what your story is. You need to know what every line is. You need to know what every chapter is. You need to know who the players are and so on and so forth. And if you know the answers to those questions, I think you're going to buck some other quantifiable com- uh, trends or metrics, so on. With that being said. It's, you know, we knew that we had a captive audience here of, you know, millennials and so on and so forth. But at the same time, it's really easy to be myopic coming into a college town and just playing to students, you know, and we and that's and I think that it manifested it manifested away from that. This place is a manifestation of who we are as people and who we are as people is knowing that in our story, our story is you know, this is for everybody, you know, I mean, we don't, we really feel very passionately or strongly that we don't need to have a target demographic, so to speak. We feel like we want, you know, we both of us have, have children. Like we want to sit at, at a, at a table with our three, four and six year olds and our, and our spouses and our parents, all different generations where everyone is acknowledged and everyone is respected and there's something for everyone. And there's an interaction for everyone. You know, I mean, our fit out, our build is completely focused on that. You know, it's having it's having uh, this sort of nostalgic retro Americana that isn't retro to be retro. It's retro to acknowledge mm. decades, to acknowledge generations mm-hmm. where, you know, you know, you're pointing at different fixtures and furnishings in here and you're having a memory of sitting in your pajamas in your living room, like yeah. playing Zelda, like we yeah. were talking about, playing Zelda on Nintendo NES with my brother. <laughs> and that's such a special memory yeah. to me. And every time I see one of our NES cartridges go out as our table numbers, like I think about that memory of me and Phil sitting next to each other and it makes me smile man it makes it makes my heart full and so that's that's what it's all about you know um so so it's it's amazing to have the university here the students here but it's equally as amazing to have the faculty the staff the residents the, the, you know what I mean? And so mm. that I think that was something that was really important to us yeah. from the beginning. I got to mention a book because you mentioned the, the importance of uh, story. And I'm actually listening Everyone to Everyone poops? Um, no, but I'm going to have to add that to my uh, I would check list. It out. It's a good one. <laughs> uh, it's, oh, sorry, one second. I picked up my phone while you were talking to get the, the title of the book. It's uh, Building a Story Brand uh, by Donald Miller. And uh, so important. The just, I'm literally buying that other book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And I want to get him on the show just because what you said is so true. The power of story. It's so powerful. Um, and right now, guys, we're at um, it's 11 past the hour. Uh, how are you on time? I'll, I'll go as long, like, as long as you guys want to go. People are going to start walking in. It, it's not going to bother me as long as it doesn't bother you guys. We got probably like another 20 minutes if this goes. We'll get a few more. Okay, cool. Um, Jeez, we're checking on our people right Just now, making sure everybody's good. So we're getting thumbs, thumbs up, up, maybe a couple high fives. We're, we're getting thumbs good. up all around. Good. <laughs> um, so I want to talk real quick about why you guys decided on this, as far regards to operations, why you decided to go this route of uh, having the counter service, but with that high scale, like you call it craft casual. Mm. Uh, we've heard uh, different renditions of it, uh, but I think it's the first time I've heard craft casual. So why that operational style? So I think right, wrong, or indifferent. I mean, it's it's everything that we do. We're always trying to put thought into be game changing you know yeah. um, we don't we don't say game changing out of sort of pride like we are game changers i mean i mean it's it doesn't feel like that it's more from an inspirational standpoint you know anything you do in your life you know don't just play the game to play it i mean play it to change it you mm-hmm. know and it, w- that's what we try to do and i think our our guests and consumers will be the, be the yeah. judge of that um 
but we honestly, from an operational standpoint, we wanted to be we wanted to be sort of trailblazing. We wanted to be different. We wanted to understand that people are coming in for different reasons, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you know, people, and so so we wanted to sort of uh, blaze the trail between your sort of uh, full service table side uh, server service uh, restaurants and your fast casuals of the world, you know, your Chipotle's and Subways and, and so on and so forth, uh, and find a common ground, find a middle ground that was more dynamic and kind of shared from both of those models. And so you know, we call it. Craft casual, and it's the idea that you know you can have a walk-up order station, so that if you know if you're if you're if you're moving quick and you're just coming in to grab a burger to go, if you're just um, you know you don't have a lot of time, mm-hmm. it creates a really accessible um, accessible area where you can just walk up and grab some food and and so on, sit and eat real quick or take it out. Uh, but at the same time, uh, we we have a more of a a sort of a service model or a hospitality model where if you are spending time with it, if you are looking for more respite, if you are sort of dining in with us, then we have a service service model that backs that up. So like we basically the experience doesn't stop when you leave the order station. That's only the beginning of the experience. Should you be looking for that type of experience? Um, so there's a service model with of course you know running food to tables, um, and uh, we have a we have a cross training model where we're just providing the service, providing the hospitality that people are looking for um, if they want that respite if they if they want that um so yeah so it's just that's that dynamic offering essentially so you do so just the, the process the way it looks when you walk in the door uh you are immediately you take a left and the order stations in front of you and there's a long queue and the the menu is board is gigantic right behind the server taker mm-hmm. um and then from there you, you you can see food coming out the pass and then uh you get sat or they, they give you um uh a video game cartridge which is awesome uh, and that's how they find you at the table um so when once do you have sections for the food runners does a food runner get like one section they they have that high touch like experience or how does that work so we, we don't necessarily. So we, we, you know, for this location specifically, we, we kind of took a cross training model to where we have specific routes around the floor that staff will actually take. So we have that strategy that's deployed every day um, during service. So we have specific routes that they take. And it's, it's honestly sort of a um, kind of a comprehensive uh, approach to this idea of, of front of house staff to the idea of cross training where um, there's a there's a, a myriad of responsibilities um, that are bestowed on that particular individual. Individual, so it's running food, it's bussing tables, it's uh, touching tables, it's checking on uh, condiments, checking on beverages, and so on and so forth. And so we have that cross-training model um, that allows us to really spend more time with the guest, um, mm-hmm. spend more time interacting with them in a very genuine way. When you say we, are you talking about the Bobbies? Or everybody? Everyone. Okay. Everyone, absolutely. Um, so, right, you touched on it. So you walk up, order station. Uh, we actually make uh, make uh, your beverages from scratch. We can get into more of that, but um, at, at the station, and then all your food is run out. We, we were very passionate about having an open kitchen. We wanted to we wanted the guests to see um, sort of the magic happen, so to speak. We wanted, the, we wanted the guests to be able to have eye contact with the chefs. And I know that's something that's really popular right now that we love, and mm-hmm. we're so glad that that's happening right now, where you can see the chefs, you can see the kitchen. The kitchen can be acknowledged and back and forth um, and uh, and so on. So, yeah. Want to add anything to that, Bob? Bobby M? No. That was, I mean, <laughs> that was pretty well said. Okay. Yeah. I, the biggest thing, you know, is to bridge the gap between your typical sit-down service and the, the fast casual where it's kind of cold and, you know, you don't get that one-on-one interaction. I think we wanted to provide both experiences, hence craft casual. Mm. There's still so many things uh, that are, are I just find interesting um, that I probably should 
hold back the respect to your time because I don't want to get too far in. But before we go to the speed round, I do want to ask this. What was your biggest challenge? Uh, we're faced with tons of challenges of opening a, a restaurant. There's always hidden uh, hurdles to get over. Was there anything that really challenged you guys in this build out and getting to where you are now? Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a negative challenge, but I think it's kind of reeling ourselves in because you want to make sure that every single little detail is correct. So I think we are our own um, challenge, you know, kind of just making sure that we are staying mm. on track um, with timing and whatnot, making sure that we get every detail right, but also acknowledging no. the fact that we need to get open. You no, know what I mean? So into you the kinda, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a balancing act, right? Yeah. You want to make sure that everything you do is perfect and uh, do it in a timely manner. That so can be challenging. How did you overcome that challenge? Did you guys give yourself deadlines and dates that you had to like get projects wrapped up at a certain time? Like, how do you co- overcome that? Luckily, we were, you know, we were blessed with some extra time that didn't necessarily, you know, I yeah. mean, we, we, we uh, you know, You're as much m- as a, of, of a rush you are in to get open, you want to get it yeah. right. So I think uh, that that negative part of having that extra time of waiting to get open actually was mm-hmm. a positive because it gave us more time to think about stuff mm. and get it right. So you guys are in a modern space too, in a new building. So I'm sure it's, was this space intended to be food beverage? Was it that the, the whole it was space? a restaurant? Yeah, it was intended to be a restaurant. So that might have helped with the actual build out of having like, <laughs> or maybe not. Or, Am I making assumptions? It was intended to be a restaurant, but it wasn't necessarily <laughs> ready to be a restaurant. Yeah, it, it, it proved to be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to go in deeper, but I want to respect <laughs> your time, too. I do want to acknowledge you guys one for one thing before going to the speed round. Can I give you one thing on that? Yeah, yeah, please, please. I'll share one thing. So I, I, I have, I have a, a, bit, a piece of advice that has to do with that. <laughs> That's something that has had to be my sort of my, my mantra during the, during the process. So this, this space was challenging because it was, it was the last space to be leased in the building. And this is maybe for, for, for folks that are looking to potentially open a restaurant. Um, so this was the last space to be leased in the building. So everything had to be closed up for their certificate of occupancy in the building because there's residences inside. You know, with it being, with it being closed, up and with a tenant not coming in like during the construction of the building you know unfortunately you know no utilities and you know walls are closed ceilings closed floors closed residents above and below us so they're kind of our hands were kind of tied to some degree with the way that the space was um, delivered and you know they, they, you got to do what you got to do to mm-hmm. get residents in your building uh, but we basically had to demo out almost the entire space, demo out the floors, demo oh, wow. out uh, the walls, um, and find out, you know, what, you know, where I beams were, which so is frustrating because so it's a new building. So you could have left that bare, right? Oh so, man. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, you know, definitely getting in on the pre-construction phase is, is an extreme yeah, advantage, which is a good lesson. I feel like, do you, yeah. are you still going? I don't want to cut I'm you short. I'm still going. You yeah, got, keep yeah. going. Keep going. I'm kind of, I apologize. <laughs> I'm going. Um, but here's, but so here's, so here's my, here's my piece of, of, of advice. I, I definitely learned very, very quickly that whether it's I mean, let's let's talk about restaurants. I mean, but I think this obviously would apply to a lot of different industries, apply to a lot of entrepreneurs, honestly, whatever industry you're in. You have to love and you have to live for the process. Mm. You have to. Because you know what? I can't tell you how many times that, you know, we had planned for a, a, a duck to, to be somewhere or a vent to be somewhere that we just didn't, we didn't have knowledge of what was behind a particular wall unless we demoed it, demoed it out. And you're not going to necessarily demo everything out if you don't have to. So, you know, we made all of our best guesses. We did what we needed to do. But, you know, every once in a while you open up a wall and it turns out there's a, there's a bunch of, you know, studs or an I-beam in that wall where a vent needs to go. And I can either get 
frustrated and, and pull even more of my hair out, that type of thing. Or I can just sort of love that that's happening. I can sort of love that that challenge is coming at me right now and, and love coming up with a solution for mm. that. And so I learned very early on that, you know, I wasn't going to get rattled. I wasn't going to get frustrated if anything was to happen. I'm loving what I'm doing. You know yeah. what I mean? We have, the, we have the autonomy and the ability to, like, how, like how many opportunities come your way like yeah. that, you know? I mean, yep. it's, it's, I'm very, very fortunate and very appreciative of that. And um, I don't know. So that's, that, that would be, like, honestly, one of the biggest pieces of advice that I could give from my, from my experience opening this particular space um, was you have to live uh, for and love the process. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, if you don't, don't do it, the, honestly. The yeah. words of a past guest are coming to my mind. Uh, Dushan Zarif is his name. I, th- I hope I'm saying it right. Um, uh, behind employee only out of New York City um, and he said you know it's like this now um, you're gonna you're gonna hit walls all the time in this industry and there's no sense of getting frustrated or pissed off or angry about it it just is and accept it for what it is and move forward and figure it out yep. it's like this now and when you you know once you accept that um, it makes it so way much easier so much easier uh, but awesome yeah, don't care about the wall care about the yeah. solution you know what I mean awesome yeah. um, the one thing I wanted to acknowledge you guys on uh, before we move to the speed round is when I came in to eat a couple weeks ago um, I love the idea of you guys encouraging your bartenders to keep notes on the, the beers and not being afraid to whip that sucker out in the middle of serving somebody like oh, here are my notes and going through the notebook I feel like it's really true to your identity of being who you are and just being open and genuine and authentic. Like I'm learning about these beers right now. We are, you know, we have very unique local beers and unless you're an encyclopedia, like you're not going to retain that right away, but it encourages people to learn to share and to not be ashamed of, Oh, I might have to take some notes on this. Like, that's totally cool. Like, is that something that I shouldn't be sharing right now? Or is that maybe, was that something that I think honestly, it's, it's, it's about our passion and it's about the respect for the, for the brewers and the breweries that we work with. You know, these, you know, I mean, again, look at your, look at your collaborators, look at your partners in whatever industry you're in and you have to have a huge respect. And and, and for us, that, that personal affinity, that professional affinity for the hard work that goes into the creativity that goes into the science that goes into uh, the beers that they're brewing every day. There's a huge respect for that. So how do we acknowledge that? We acknowledge that by being experts on yeah. what they're doing. And know? I feel like some locations, depending on what you're going for, would really kind of not encourage the bartender to keep their notebook at the bar and to like go through their notes to like answer a guest question. But I don't know why, because it's like we're here to learn and if you're doing your job right as a bartender you're always learning no matter where you are on that scale and why not just be authentic why not whip out your your uh, whatever you call these types of notebooks the what spiral. Are they, spiral notebook with your handwritten notes why not bring that out that i think that adds to the experience right like it's genuine it's authentic um and i don't know i just thought it was kind of cool maybe some people would be like wow that's really like you know Maybe not the word tacky or like unprofessional. I hate that fucking word professional because like what is professionalism? Like doing your job, right? I don't know. Sorry. Well, it's interesting you bring that up from a customer perspective because I think it to, you know, I think it again, it shows authenticity yeah. and it shows yep. that we are, you know, we're a new, we're a new brand and we're, we're very focused on making sure we get it right to Bobby's point. I mean, these breweries are, you know, they work so hard on getting their recipes right. We just want to do it justice. And, uh, yeah. you know, it makes me happy to hear that you recognize and acknowledge that. So thank you. No, no problem. All right. We got to get to the speed round. I'm going to respect your time. You guys are going to open up in a little bit. I'm, I'm abusing your time time right now um so we're gonna take a break to thank our sponsors we'll be right back 
All right, guys, it's time to get real and answer this question honestly. Does the quality of your website match the quality of your restaurants? If the answer is no, you need to do something about it because 89% of your guests will go to your website before going to your restaurant. So you've got to make sure you're bringing it to all aspects of your business. And this is where Bento Box comes in. Not only will Bento Box help you deliver your brand and your story online, but it will help you leverage the full potential of the internet because websites are no longer static brochures. They're dynamic tools that help you drive revenue. With Bento Box, easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events, plus way more directly from your website. Find out why Bento Box is trusted by thousands of restaurants around the world, including past and future guests like Suvla, Pizza Emily, 11 Madison Park, The Meatball Shop, and more. Head to getbento.com and make sure you mention Restaurants Unstoppable to get up to $1,500 off your initial setup. Payroll and benefits, it's hard. Sometimes it feels like this foreign language, especially for small businesses. I mean, you, you're too busy running your business. You don't have time to be an expert in all things taxes and regulations. That's why there's Gusto. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. PC Mag and Fit Small Business have called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto will save you time. 72% of customers spend less than five minutes to run their payroll. Gusto is more efficient and reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching to Gusto. People who succeed in this industry have access to systems and information, and Gusto will provide both. You no longer have to be a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and great service. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited-time deal. Sign up today and get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash unstoppable. G-U-S-T-O dot com slash unstoppable. All right, so we're back. And the first question I have for you guys is... What are your it factors? I guess we'll start with uh, Bobby B. We'll stay in the, the, the same rhythm we're going. Um, what's your it factor? So a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. So your, your strengths and weaknesses, basically. Wow. Starting with strengths. And then wow. we'll go to the weaknesses. That's a tough one, Eric. <laughs> um, <laughs> For me, it's, it's, it's never stopping. You know, it's um, appropriate. It's, yeah, it's never stopping. It's care about it's caring about every detail. It's always having, you know, I, I, I it's uh, as much as you want to show up for all aspects of, of your life. You know, I know that, you know, when we go home at the end of a long day, like you sort of want to show up for your spouse, you want to show up for your kids and you want to make sure that when you're in those moments, you're 100 um, percent there with them. But in the but in a very real way, in the same way, like there's something in the back of your mind that's always processing, that's always moving this thing forward, that's always trying to move the needle, mm. um, whether it's an idea, whether it's a process, whether it's a systemization point, you know, I think it's just sort of never stopping. I think it's a lifestyle. I think it's it just embodies you. Awesome. Um, and I think if you're open to that, if you allow yourself to do that, um, that would be you know that would be a awesome huge it. Yeah. Bobby M. A much broader answer. Um, I think the it factor is the people around you. Mm. I think you have to have the right crew and the right people around you that believe in you. And uh, 
yeah, I think that's what would has you, made me successful. Would you would you say your it factor is your ability to attract onto yourself those people? Yeah, I think you have to be aware and conscious of what each individual person needs to uh, drive them. But ultimately, you can't do it on your own. And I've learned that over the years. Beautiful. Uh, what is your biggest weakness, starting with Bobby B? So my, I, am, I am wholly a on-the-fence person. I am the 50-50 person. I am the person that if I'm generating an idea, I always see two ways to execute mm. it. And I don't, on, and, and, and full disclosure, I don't ever know the right way to execute <laughs> Honestly, like I, and that's, and now luckily I have an extremely decisive business yep. partner, business partners, that if I'm generating something, I can bring them an idea and say, hey, I've got this great, you know, and I've seen two ways to do yeah. it. Which way is the right way? And both of my partners right away will say, that's yeah. the right way. And that's and a, it's like such a great that, There's a hidden uh gem in there too the power of three um when partnerships are three is like the 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 secret sauce number because when you have four then you have you know people ganging up and you can't but when there's three people there's always a vote and and it's not too many people weighing in uh but it's that you know there's a majority and it's it's a it's a great number for partnerships is that your is it three right yep um so what's your biggest weakness bobby m Um, and I, I'll take it back to the first question, you know, the first question, I think, uh, trying to take too much on yourself Mm -hmm. and not being able to delegate. And that's a weakness I've had over the course of my career and wanting to do everything on your own. And, uh, it's still something I, I work with every day and it's like, um, yeah, just becoming reliant on others and not trying to do everything on your, on your own. All right. We can do this next one collectively, I guess, uh, right now, what is your, uh, biggest challenge the the challenge that's the i guess that's currently happening that you're trying to overcome do something like this in the middle i don't know i would say trying to harness in on everything we want to do i mean we have (laughs) so many ideas and so many you know so many concepts and we just want to do it all you know we 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 feel as though we're unstoppable Uh, so you know, trying to trying to pick and choose what what the next move is i Mm. think would be uh, a big challenge we want to add on to that? Or? Yeah, I mean, I would, I, would, I would echo the sentiment and just say that, you know, right now we're in that sort of infrastructure building phase, the infancy of the infrastructure, you know, and, and it's finding your generals and grooming your generals, finding the right people, investing in the right people and making the right moves. We're absolutely in that phase where, you know, we're, 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 we're so appreciative that this thing is alive. You know, it's amazing to see it alive. It's amazing to operate it. But now it's back to, you know, systemizing, building the infrastructure and so on. So mm. that's... Uh, yeah, awesome. it's an amazing challenge to have. We're fortunate to have the challenge, but a challenge in itself Beautiful. for sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, the next question, this is the question I was talking about earlier. What is one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? And you said you had a secret question. I don't know if we warmed up to you enough at this point. If you're letting us, uh, if you're going to let us get in on the secret question, but if you want to keep that one close, I understand. I mean, there's, there's a few. I mean, there's, uh, honestly, I mean, we, we just, we wanted people to talk. You know, we just wanted to get people to talk. I think yeah. sometimes when you're interviewing, like the interviewer can talk more than the interviewee, I think to some extent maybe. Yeah. But so I, I, we just wanted people to talk. So, I mean, we talked through a lot of the different, you know, nuances of the intangibles of, but I, I would ask the same question of everyone and it would, it would essentially be, who are you? Mm. You know? And, and, and you can tell, I mean, it's such a big and like sort of macro level and broad question, but if you can ask someone, who are you? 
and they can articulate who they are and uh, I, and they can talk about it and they're comfortable talking about it. They're comfortable in their own skin that they've just met us 10 seconds earlier or mm. five minutes earlier and they're comfortable with us that they can tell us who they are. Then I know that they're going to be able to sort of broadcast, embody and show and talk about who they are to all of the guests that come in here. Even if those, even those micro relationships where you might only have a relationship with somebody for 20 seconds in here, for two minutes in here, you're at least being genuine, you being who you are and you can you can broadcast that yeah if they showed us that in the interview then they were they, they were in oh man i love it and then uh, i had mark canlis on the show from canlis restaurant over in seattle uh then he said uh one thing that really stuck with me is like he said don't be a what be a who mm. and the power of just being knowing who you are and trying to get to the, the essence of who somebody is during the interview process 100%. and knowing who you are to find out if they're aligned with the, what you believe in is so powerful um, so share one code of conduct or behavior uh, you teach your team. This is kind of like the intangible. This is like the part of the who, the, the values, the beliefs. What's one belief? What's one value? One intangible behavior or thought that you teach your team? Again, it's kind of a broad answer, but, um, you know, be authentic and be you and don't be a robot. You know, a lot of these corporate cultures are, you know, this is what we want you to say. And it's like finding the balance of, what we want you to relay to the customer, but making it your own. Mm. And I think that's, uh, that's kind of what we shoot for every day with our staff is, you know, get our message across, but do it being you. Mm. Awesome. Is there a resource that you guys went to to learn how to do that? Or is it something that you're still trying to figure out constantly refining? I think it's just, it, again, I think it starts at the top with us being authentic to our staff. And I think it's a trickle-down effect. I think if we're in here every day being just as organic and just as honest with them that, hey, we're, we're all in this together, we're learning together, I think it's a trickle-down effect and, they, and they, their authenticity shines as much as ours. All right. And this next question is, what's one uncommon standard of service? Did you want to add to Wait, that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that absolutely. So I'll, I'll share with you a tactic that we talk a lot about <laughs> in here. Um, so we, we, as, you know, we, we talk a lot about from a, from a, a more broader scope, the idea of caring, the idea of like, you know, we built something and people are coming in to patronize it. Like, how do you not appreciate that? That's amazing. I mean, every time someone walks through the door, we always get some type of a thank you in there, you mm. know, because, you know, anyway, so, but from a very tactical standpoint, we talk to our staff uh, or to our team a lot about the idea of being congruent, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to have a lot of different people walking through the door in different situations. In different, some people, they're coming in like, they, you know what, they're moving fast. They don't have a lot of time to talk to you. They don't want to have a huge interaction with you. You know what I mean? They're, for whatever reason. You have a lot of people that come in, they're looking for the respite like we talked about. They're looking to have that, that longer-term interaction in here. And so... Um, we talk about the a lot of uh, we talk about the idea of being congruent. So meeting somebody at their current space, meeting somebody in the current moment that they're in. So look at if they don't have a lot of time, then I'm not going to bog them down with with a very wordy sort of you know menu speech yep. or talking about the concept. I'm going to meet them where they're at. If somebody's being very open, and you can tell by their body language that they're kind of resting back on their heels a little bit, and they're open to the information, then I give them the information. I give them everything I got, you know. And so it's being very aware of 
of our guest being very aware of the consumer and meeting them at their current space mm. and time. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just you, you got to be a chameleon almost. You got to yeah. like, com- yeah. like you know transform yeah. to each situation. And having the awareness to know when to break through that <laughs> yeah. is really interesting because sometimes. You know, somebody might not be super receptive. They're like, yeah. like you can tell. They're like, I just walked into a restaurant. I want a burger. You know, whatever. Yeah. Like, you can tell they kind of have that thing. And some people, if you can read people well enough, you're like, I got this. Like, yeah. I've got them. Like, I, <laughs> I know that I can make them smile. I know that I can brighten them up. And, awesome. and, and if, and if, you know, and sometimes you got to go for it. But, it, but I think the majority of the time it's just being congruent and being yep. aware of how way people are. Awesome. And uh, this next question is more on like the actual, like tangible, like the physical things you teach your staff. What's one uncommon standard of service? you teach your staff this is an example of you're giving somebody a burger you don't pass it you don't like slide it across the table to them like you drop it off with two hands like that's a, an example of showing people you care um is there like a physical uh tangible thing that you teach your staff to bring that level of service up uh, uh, one thing that comes to mind when you say that is just the idea of of providing a very real description yeah and providing I- a very real interaction to where you know let's let's take it from a beer standpoint you know when we you know when we're talking about beer it's one thing to sort of recite an ingredient list it's one thing to sort of recite uh malts and yeast and hops and that type of thing but it's one other thing to tell somebody from a very real standpoint like what do you think this tastes like you know mm. what do you get from it what does your palate tell yeah, you yeah just the open you know? dialogue yeah absolutely we had an amazing pecan brown ale on uh from one of our, from one of the breweries we work with from the barrel out of londonderry and we were talking about the idea of it sort of being like a pecan pie in a glass you know mm. christmas in a glass and it and uh and it just had this and, and it's and it's it's sort of it has its flavors but then it has like the things that it evokes inside of you and and that that plays to our that plays to our burgers as well you know the way that we conceptualize the burgers the way that the you know the flavor profile is built and kind of what that means to you and how can you deliver that when you're when you're delivering food to a table you don't just drop your burger and walk away that type of thing but you're dropping it and you're giving somebody something mm. you need to give them back something so if it if it's just reciting the name of the burger no it's not it's telling them something very real about that burger uh, that again just sort of just makes them smile and compounds onto that experience yeah Yeah. um so we're almost done we got three more questions these are like recommendations share one online resource a tool or um a uh, i don't know like a industry trade magazine that's online that you guys frequent a lot that you can share with us uh one of my personal favorites is uh restaurant design and development magazine uh really really good read awesome do you want to add anything to that all right. The next question is, uh, what's one book that will make us a better restaurant owner or operator, just a better person in general that you can recommend? Oh, my God. Why can't I think of the name? Um, I can't believe I can't think of the name. Setting the Table by Ooh, Danny Meyer. Yeah, it's a good one. Fantastic book. Most recommended yeah, honestly, book on the show. that's where the standard of service uh, began for Tuckaway. Mm-hmm. As I read that book cover to cover twice and mm-hmm. passed it down to Beautiful. Nate. And, uh encourage all of my staff to read it. I mean, I think that teaches you a lot about organic hospitality and being genuine and being about the customer and putting them first. Anything come to mind, Bobby B? Uh, it does. <laughs> I to go out there on this one, but uh, Fabric of the Cosmos. Oh, all right. Um, I think, I think, I, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of how I approach life, but I think that there are very real connections that we all have that we don't fully understand. 
and I tried to, uh, we tried to sort of lead and inspire our staff with the idea of just the idea of connecting with mm. people and Powerful. the idea of knowing that there is, there's already an existing connection. Like let's say between you and I, there's an existing connection between myself or whomever and a guest that's walking in and, and there's, it's very easy to access that. Yeah. Connection. Find that connection. Beautiful. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Um, and what's one piece of technology that you're leveraging in your restaurant that's improving communication, uh, processes, procedures, uh, profitability that you can share with us. <laughs> I'm just going to use our my baby the flat top that we use uh, is the uh, Winston uh, Quadrant flat top. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Woodstone uh, flat top that we are the first. Bobby, is that correct? First independent, first independent operator to be nice. able to use uh, gas fired uh, fires off in quadrants, and it's literally like. It's my baby. So I'm sure they'll appreciate that shout out. And I noticed that you guys uh, Love went with toast. What made you choose toast? Honestly, the ease of use. Yeah. Um, it is one of the easiest flowing uh, POSs I've ever seen. I, I love the ease of use for, for our staff. Yep. Do you guys use that over at the Tuckaway too? No. No. And I won't promote the one we do use because uh, I love toast. Uh, um, now you got me curious. Not, this isn't the. Uh, I like. I like the. Not that I don't want to like spread negative vibes, but what is the one you're using? I'm just curious if you don't mind saying, so we can maybe steer people away from that platform. I just feel like it's a more outdated. Uh, it's a more outdated POS. Uh, Aloha is what we use over at Tuckaway, <laughs> and it's just a little. Uh, yeah. It's a little behind in the times, you know. Right. Um, I think there's some updates. I think the move is to the cloud-based POS systems. You don't have to worry about the regulations that are coming down. It's it's automatically updated with every month, with every new. It makes sense. It's the way the future evolve, right? Um, sorry. Aloha. No, no. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys. We're almost there. Um, if you had the news that tomorrow everything you guys created in this place would be gone, the existence of you and your restaurant would be gone, but you could leave back three pieces of wisdom, three things that you want to tie to your name that will, will exist beyond your restaurant, if you could only narrow it down to three things, uh, what would those three things be? Wow. Three things. Um. Wow, that's intense. We, so, three things that we leave behind. If you could leave like three things, just to be that you know to be true, and that would leave this world a better place, what would it be? Um. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is, and I, not to get too deep, but honestly, um, I, I live on my daughter's legacy, who I lost in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just. She was the epitome of strength. Uh, she always saw the brighter side of stuff. So she, but she was also a go-getter and just a champion in my eyes. Um, just always trying to be better, um, and that's kind of what's inspired me ever since she was born. To be honest, um, I'm sorry to hear that, but I'm happy to hear oh, that no, she's inspired you. you. Uh, yeah, fought cancer for several years, and every step of the way, she was all about others and all about um, you know putting others first and just being just being a true positive spirit. So I hope to live on, I live, I try to live her legacy on every day. So I hope, um, you know, I can continue to, I think we can, we can draw two from that. Just uh, the power of positivity, right? Being a positive person. And like what we've already heard from you today of the idea of putting other people first, uh, are two definite nuggets. Um, did you want to add one onto that? Bobby B? (laughs) That was deep. (laughs) Thank you for going there, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I would say just the idea of playing for legacy, mm. you know. Um, I think, you know, 
currency is going to crash. Things are going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think if you're if you're if you're playing for the dollar, I think you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And I think you're playing for playing for legacy, or playing for Bobby's legacy, playing for uh, for humanity's legacy, playing for our team's legacy and our kids. And I honestly, I mean, that's why we do this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we do this. We do this for the people that walk through the door that that need a moment to get away from it all. And we do this to uh, uh, for all of us. And and we do this to contribute in a positive way to humanity and to life. And and it may seem kind of kind of out there but honestly that's what we that's what we do every day awesome guys play for legacy this has been a great conversation thank you for letting it go along um i'm (laughs) I'm gonna reconsider my my interview layout uh but it was great stuff guys we wrap up every episode by uh calling somebody out so who's one independent restaurant operator somebody you guys admire and think would be a great guest mentor on the show and i'll get him on there silence (laughs) Uh, uh, I, yeah, I'll give a shout out to my good friend Peter Campbell, uh, Red Wagon Pizza. That's, out in, can I just just touch on the interaction that happened right there? Literally, no <laughs> words were said. They looked at each other, went, "Yep, yeah," and <laughs> they both came up like that's that that's a, a good indication that you guys are meant to work together right there uh, for sure. But what was it again? Uh, Campbell, Peter Campbell, Peter Campbell, Red Wagon Pizza. All right, Peter Campbell, look out! I'm coming after you and. Uh, let the folks at home know um, if you want to come check you out, maybe come join your team, be a part of what you're doing here after listening to this. What's the best way to connect? Uh, they could check us out. Facebook, you know, Facebook Messenger, uh, Hop and Grind, Suckaway Tavern. Facebook.com slash Hop and Grind. Yep. And uh, Instagram, Twitter, at Hop and Grind. Absolutely. Beautiful. I'll have those links in the show notes. This is episode 420. One, head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 421. You'll find a summary of today's discussion along with the links, the products and services that were recommended all right there. Uh, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, be somebody who changes the game uh, and just to take the time to share us what you know to be, share with us what you know to be true about the industry and to, you know, really just do something different and uh, to, st- to stick by your guns, your values. I appreciate thank it. You for taking uh, the time there's no there. questioning. You guys are unstoppable. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Oh man, that was an awesome episode. So I'm actually sitting here in the restaurant right now. Something I want to get used to doing uh, right after the interview. I want to record my closing thoughts because uh, I'm going to be on the road and I'm not going to have my equipment set up all the time. Uh, so to make this process move smoother, I'm going to record these closing thoughts. So you hear the music in the back or background right now uh they had just opened we literally pushed this thing to the last second and um what stood out to me in today's conversation was just that power of authenticity be who you are there is no right there is no wrong there just is a reflection of who you are so get clarity on what matters get to you get clarity on how you want to leave this world a better place be somebody who's a game changer right and that's what they wanted to do they wanted to come into this industry and they wanted to change the burger game and they wanted to uh create opportunities and make it about uh not just them about about making sure their people are successful. Um, that was huge. The, the power of treating it like you own it. Um, just because you don't have the capital behind you right here in this moment, you do have other assets. You have your present. Right? Your, your presence is an asset. So come to work every day being present, uh, looking at like looking at it like you own it and uh, giving before you get. And if you serve your boss, if you serve people who have the ability to then serve you, um, the likelihood of them serving you will be so much greater if you first live to serve others. So that was another huge lesson that came from this conversation, the power of partnerships. I mean, just so many things, uh, 
came out of this. It's kind of funny. I'm sitting in this restaurant and people are looking at me because I'm talking into the microphone, so I'm getting a little shy. Um, but like, <laughs> I should probably just con- wrap it up. Like always, guys, uh, you can connect with me at Eric Cacciatore, or sorry, Eric Cacciatore at Restaurant Unstoppable, Facebook slash Restaurant Unstoppable, in uh, Instagram, Twitter, Eric Cacciatore. Let me know who you want to hear from. I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling in the coming months. Let me know what city to go to. If you guys got a spare bedroom <laughs> or a spare bed or even a spot on the floor of your apartment or house, whatever, I have a blow up mattress. Uh, let me know. Maybe I'll come to your city and um, let me know what your challenges are. That's the other thing I want to do with this podcast. I want to start you know, living to serve you guys. So tell me what your challenges are. Um, I'll get an expert on the show. I'll read their book, whatever, and we'll get them on the show and we'll learn together. So don't be afraid to reach out to me. Um, I think that's it for now, guys. Thanks so much for sticking around this long until next time. Peace out.